Hi, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail, one of the hottest topics we've ever covered. Oh yeah. Let's talk about the money. We've got deficits as far as the eye can see. Oh yeah. Your generation of politicians has an absolute obligation to future generations of New Zealanders to get these next 10 years right. Of course we do. But what that obligation to New Zealanders looks like isn't just about debt. Oh yeah. The government is currently borrowing about a billion dollars a week. Where we worry is the fact that there is no clear plan from this government to reduce that over time. Whichever stripe of government we have for the next three years and possibly beyond, two things are for certain. They'll be borrowing tens of billions of dollars and you'll be helping to pay it back. So what does crown debt actually mean to you, a normal person? And should you be losing any sleep as it continues to swell? Liam Dan is the New Zealand Herald's business editor and I began by asking him why governments even borrow money in the first place. Well, essentially just because the pressure on them to spend more than they're taking in 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 revenue. So, you know, the public expectation, and there are times, particularly when the economy is not good, that it isn't generating enough tax revenue for the government to do everything that it is politically expected to do. And so uh, at that point, it it borrows. There are times, and there have been in the past few years, where the government is in surplus and is actually taking in enough revenue to do everything. Um, But over the years, we've built up a lot of debt by not hitting those, uh, those revenue targets. So, say the government promises to spend $100 billion over the next four years, and then something like a global pandemic happens, a bunch of industries fall over, a bunch of people fall out of work, all of a sudden the government has less money to play with. And because it introduced a wage subsidy which cost billions it didn't originally account for, it also has more in the way of expenses. What do you do? Well, you either grow how much money you have... You cut costs or you borrow. So the Christchurch earthquake is a classic example, and of course we had the GFC as well, and both of those were shocks. One required a lot of spending. The other one hit the tax revenue. The economy just got hit so hard by the GFC that the revenue isn't there to keep doing things, so you've got a choice. You can you can cut spending, but if, if that's not palatable, you can go to basically uh, foreign markets to raise capital, like, like a company would. When we talk about borrowing money... We're mostly talking about um, issuing government bonds, which companies issue bonds as well. They're a, they're a financial instrument, an investment uh, instrument. You, you buy the bond and it guarantees you a rate of return and it also retains value and can be on sold. So there's um, enormous bond markets around the world and New Zealand sells into those markets and how successfully our bonds go in those markets depends on uh, how much confidence there is in the New Zealand economy. So if you're New Zealand or if you're America or a big powerful nation, uh, your bonds are generally going to be in demand and you won't have trouble raising money. If you get into serious difficulty, if you're a third world country, it's a lot harder to raise money uh, because those those people don't have the confidence that the interest that they're going supposed to get on that bond is going to come come back to them. And they're often quite quite long term bonds, so 10, 20, 50 years. For a country like New Zealand anyway, that would be regarded as a pretty safe investment, right? There isn't really the danger that the government is going to default on that. 
Generally, yeah. So, so if you're an investment manager managing someone's retirement funds, uh, a high-risk investment is is probably something uh, a tech company on the stock market. A low-risk investment is a uh, you know a power company on the stock market. Uh, the the really low-risk stuff, which which they virtually call cash because it's almost like just having it in the bank, uh, includes bonds. So that needs to be super safe it also is likely to be extremely low return uh, you know com- comparable with with bank returns in fact government bonds probably the lowest um rate of return and and should be one of the safest investments so um right now it's never been um a better time to issue bonds investing in them you're doing it largely for a safe place to put your money you get what you spent on the bond back you're not going to get much interest but but your principal is safe and that's why you do it According to interest.co.nz, the government's borrowed more than $32 billion to date in 2020 through bond tenders and syndications. That's nearly four times as much as it borrowed in the entirety of 2018. But it's a good time to do that because interest rates are low, so it costs less to service that money. The average interest rate on that $32 billion is 0.745 of 1% far less than the 3% interest rate on the 2018 loans. And now we're at the point where normally people start to tune out. You know, we're talking about tens of billions of dollars, interest rates in the hundreds of millions, numbers so big they're almost impossibly abstract. So let's bring it back to you. How does government debt affect normal people's lives? Government debt can and, and does to an extent affect how much it costs people to borrow in a country as well, and 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 things like uh, the value of our currency. So our place in the in the global economy is is very much sort of measured um, against uh, where we sit and on things like public debt. I mean, private debt counts too. But um, you know, if we have low government debt. Then you know the country it tends to be looked at favourably by the ratings agencies and the financial institutions that um, effectively judge us and set uh, the level of risk around the country and therefore how much uh, it costs this country to borrow and so that that has an impact on on your mortgage rate uh, eventually you know e- even though it's a different kind of debt. Why should normal people care about the size of the government debt? Yeah, that's that's a good question um, because it you know it, it's, it starts to become a very abstract number, and well, you can certainly make the case that um, you know whether it's X billion or Y billion doesn't have a, a huge impact as long as we stay within the kind of parameters that um, keep confidence in the New Zealand economy, uh, and so that. New Zealand or New Zealanders are still able to do the things that, that they want to do. I mean, you know, there, there are things like our currency, um, which is, is constantly, you know, judged every day. New Zealand's um, position in the world is judged every day by currency traders and where our currency sits is, is a barometer. And uh, it, it goes up and down. And uh, again, it doesn't make a huge difference unless you're planning some overseas travel, which you probably aren't right now, <laughs> or unless you're you're an exporter and they'd rather see the currency come down. But at the extremes, um, you know, if the currency was to, 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 to fall to an extremely low level, so much of what we think of as normal life in New Zealand would become extremely expensive. So Nike sneakers or, you know, iPhones, anything that we have to um, import, basically. We often hear about debt expressed as a debt-to-GDP ratio. So what does that mean? 
Well, it's like if you um, have a mortgage on a house and you, you say you borrow half a million dollars to buy a house and um, you know the house is worth 600000 that's an enormous mortgage. Um, eventually, the house is worth $2 million and, and the mortgage suddenly doesn't look as bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, the ratio is that if you grow your economy and the economy grows and grows and the economy is, after a certain number of years, twice as big, the, the ratio of debt will go down. So we talked a lot in the last decade about getting the debt-to-GDP ratio down around 20%. Here's Finance Minister Grant Robertson back in October 2017. We have relatively low debt compared to the rest of the world. Uh, We as a a government will continue to work towards that, uh, reducing that debt as a percentage of GDP, but we want to make the investments that we need to make now so we have a slightly different debt track. And they achieved that, and I think Labor took it a bit lower to 19. Um, So that's a combination of Bill English and and Grant Robertson uh, over the years. But interestingly, there's never really been a nominal decrease in the amount that we borrow. We're still borrowing technically more dollars uh, uh, every year, but at a slower and slower rate with our GDP going up quite nicely um, has meant that um, that that ratio comes down. And that's, I guess they use that because that's what um, people look at to measure the stability of the economy. 20%. Net debt to GDP ratio, which we were at up until well, just up before until COVID, just basically. before COVID, yeah. essentially, yeah, that's really low, isn't it? Like on a on a global kind of scale, I was looking at some countries around the world. Like Japan is at like two hundred, two hundred and something, yeah. But um, nobody, like even Greece is at like a hundred and sixty or something. Yeah, I think like the US is a hundred, uh, UK eighty, something like that. So. Why are we so low? Why are they so high? And why are people not saying, "Oh my God, Japan is at two hundred and twenty percent"? That's madness. <laughs> Well, I think they do say that about Japan, probably. Um, but the other thing is that you've got to look at the net situation, and the Japanese are also very good private savers. They have a lot of wealth, private wealth stored in that economy. So uh, when people look at economies, they tend to look at the totality of the economy. Um, and New Zealanders are not good savers, and we have an enormous amount of private debt. Private debt is actually much higher than public. Just the amount we borrow for housing is up around $286 billion. Largely because we um, borrow from Australian banks to buy houses, and so we've got all this property debt. I mean, over the years I've asked, why aren't we doing more? Why shouldn't we borrow more to, to do more good things? And I've asked finance ministers that for years. And the last three or four, I would say, uh, very conscious, and this is the both major parties of a couple of things for New Zealand, that private debt level, which which makes us vulnerable to um, external shocks, economic shocks, but also our, our physical vulnerability to, to things like um, earthquakes. So the finance ministers are quite aware that you know, there are, are times, and it's happened again, I, I, you know, I used to harass Bill English about this and say, Surely we should be borrowing more to, um, to fund infrastructure, which I still think we probably should have to some extent. But he was right, though, that there was another external shock. And here's COVID, and actually the fact that we're at 20 now and we can go to 50, 55, or whatever they think we need to, is is a huge advantage. And uh, a country like New Zealand with the private debt it has might struggle if we were um, already at that higher, higher level. And that means the international credit ratings agencies look favourably at us and we get a low cost of borrowing and it keeps our interest rates lower, which keeps money flowing around the economy. And so the risk, one of the risks that, that they're weighing against is, is interest rates going up higher and losing control of interest rates because the Reserve Bank 
only has control of uh, you know the, the, the wholesale cash rate, but if international lenders uh, want to charge us more because they think we're risky, there's not much we can do about that. Going into a time where we're going to be, well, I mean, a time of real uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen, are we in pretty good shape, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I and I, I'm always very cautious not to um, downplay the, the really rough economic circumstances and how they're impacting people's lives and, and, and small businesses really struggling, retailers and tourism and all that sort of stuff. But at a macroeconomic level, we we were in pretty good shape going into this um, there are, there are a few things maybe structurally that I, I, I would like to see adjusted, but overall, having low uh, government debt and um, and, a, and an economy that is really quite resilient to economic shocks, because you know our, our dollar adjusts, uh, our exporters do well because you know the demand for things like food is there, and they've got good supply lines to their markets and. Um, you know, New Zealand has been pretty well placed uh, to to survive. We run the country, and we have done for decades, uh, looking over our shoulder for the next economic shock, whether that's a GFC, a COVID, a massive earthquake. And, you know, sometimes I think we're a bit too conservative, but then along comes COVID and reminds me that, you know, these things happen. We hear a lot about New Zealand's infrastructure deficit, the idea that economic growth for a long time was inflated by immigration, but this population influx wasn't matched with investment in roading and health and so on. So if borrowing money is cheap, why don't we just borrow a bucket load of cash and pump it into infrastructure projects, the double duty Jacinda Ardern's talking about here during the first election debate? Let me give you an example. Right now, we are, we are demolishing the buildings on the site for Dunedin Hospital. Finally, that will be a project that will create thousands of jobs. We've also invested in a shovel-ready project to train at the tech those in trades training that we need to build that hospital. We get a double whammy of both building a facility and training our young people. At the same time, we're subsidising employers to hire apprentices. So unlike in the GFC when we lost them, we're growing them. That's the kind of double duty I want right now. Look, we've we got, invest in skills. We've got we a build huge the infrastructure right now. And we create, yeah, we've got a huge Look, I hope we do. I, I think both major parties are talking about doing that to some extent. That infrastructure deficit has grown up partly because we just took the uh, easy GDP gains from immigration growth without dealing with the longer-term issues that that creates. And so now we've got no immigration for a while. Um, this is probably a window to, to play catch-up. And, and you know, timing-wise in the economic cycle, uh, the way the world's looking at debt and the way interest rates are so low, it actually kind of works reasonably well to say, yes, we are borrowing a lot of money and we're going to do as much as we can. There is a point at which... Um, infrastructure becomes less economically valuable. It, there has to be a, an economic case for some of this infrastructure. I mean, the, the classic example is in China where they can boost GDP by double-tracking the rail between Beijing and Shanghai, and then they can triple-track it. And then, but, but the economic gains fall. You know, There's only so many roads and things uh, you can build before the economic gains fall away, but New Zealand's a long way from that. So just about most of the... you know, You'd have to be pretty average government to build uh, completely wasteful white elephant infrastructure in this country right now because there's so much that needs to be done. Now logically you might think paying off debt as quickly as possible is a good idea because you know as a rule you'd probably rather not be in debt but governments are a wee bit different. 
I think there is a point there at which <clears throat> that becomes a little bit marginal and, and, and not hugely relevant to ordinary New Zealanders' lives. You could argue, you know, whether it's 2030 or 2035 or 2040, the main thing is have we got debt uh, within parameters that are going to um, ensure that we can keep interest rates low and confidence uh, for investors, ex- external foreign investors in this economy, which whether you like them or not, we, we need them to, um, you know, it's the way we're structured. Are both parties doing that? And, and yes, they are, and they, they've, they've tended to do that for years. That's when it comes down to risk appetite. So right-leaning parties tend to have less risk appetite around debt. They feel like, you know, you, you pay down debt, debt's going to slow you down. I, I think it's a political choice. In fact, I think too much is made of it. When you look at an election campaign and, and ordinary people are looking for um, uh, examples of things that are going to change their world, exactly where that uh, debt-to-GDP figure is in 2030 is not hugely relevant other than, I suppose, you know, you could you could argue we may have another earthquake or we may have um, financial crisis out the other side of this or something like that, uh, and that might put us in slightly better stead if the debt was down. But then if that comes at a cost of investing in, um, in things... I mean, you know, like, let's be honest, the left-right thing, on, on the right, they like debt less, partly because they don't think governments spend money as well. So, you know, if, if you think governments are going to spend money efficiently and in ways that grow the economy um, the, most of the time, then it makes sense to use the debt. There's an emerging school of economics called modern monetary theory that not only advocates full employment, but says surpluses can be a bad thing and a country with a fiat currency, that's a currency of its own, can never run out of money. If things are getting tight, it can just print up some more. Why do we go into debt when we could just print more money? Yeah, that's a very popular question right now. And actually, you know, when I was talking about there's three ways to get out of debt, grow the economy, cut costs or um, or increase taxes, there's probably a fourth way, uh, or certainly some people say there definitely is, and this is this modern monetary theory, the the idea that um, you're printing money, we're already printing money, we're printing $100 billion billion to buy bonds, which is the quantitative easing, and facilitate the raising of this debt. Why don't we just... Uh, effectively print it, borrow it of ourselves and, and, and write off the debt. <laughs> the, it, it's a nice theory, I think. The, the reality is, I mean, that New Zealand is a small country with a very open economy, very reliant on the, the global financial world uh, for its position in the world. And so you could do that, uh, but what, what some people would call MMT or modern monetary theory. Other people would just call sovereign debt default. At the moment with that QE, the Reserve Bank is buying government bonds, but it isn't writing them off. It expects the government to repay that debt. And, and the world financial markets expect that that debt will be repaid in, over time to the Reserve Bank. This is just my view, and it might be too pessimistic. I, you know, I get these, I get in these debates with MMT people. Um, but if if New Zealand was to write off that debt, I think the the global financial markets would would punish us. Our, our dollar would fall, our interest rates would rise, the the, the ratings agencies would would hate that, um, and and that would sort of balance out and leave us no better or worse off, really. Um, and then. And then after that, you've got the damage done to the the confidence in New Zealand for investment and for foreign investment. What would you say to people who who find themselves in that kind of position where they're confused about all this stuff and everyone's talking about GDP ratios and owing hundreds of billions of dollars to I don't really know who, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, 
Should people really care? I, I, I personally think you should try and keep that <laughs> feeling of emotional worry at bay in all things to do with money. I mean, so your personal finances, uh, you can assess your own risk appetite and a good, you know, try and structure your life so that you're not worried about money uh, no matter how you know how much or little you have um and and yeah i mean there's not much you've got very little control over that and the numbers are very very big uh but but you know, if you, I don't know if it's going to relax you, but you go go look at America's is the trillions of American debt. Um, you know, you could make the case that they almost are running MMT. They're never going to be able to pay that debt back, but there's a pretense of paying it back, and so the debt is enormous in all the countries around the world. So I wouldn't feel too worried just from a New Zealand perspective. I I, I guess a simple thing to do is look. Assume that you can either be negative or positive. Either, either the civilization and everything collapses, or we're going to sort it out. And if oh, we don't say that, no, but I mean, the, the reality is because I don't that, know what's which one's more likely. <laughs> well, right now is not. Maybe just don't think about it right now. <laughs> but once we get through this COVID thing, have, have, you know, I think that you know something like uh, an MMT, a, a big write-off of debt, is 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 plausible at some point in the future because the world's up to its neck and it and it doesn't it doesn't seem to be an obvious way to to pay it down it is running on the fact that we've got low interest rates and low inflation and and, and all of us who think about economics are sitting there you know people much much smarter than me are thinking uh, you know where the heck does this all end? Because, um, you know, we've gotten to the situation where the US is printing trillions and Europe's printing trillions and uh, interest rates have had to go so low they're negative, which we haven't really even touched on, which is just completely mind-bending. And it's not clear how, how on earth we get out of that. So New Zealand, <laughs> that sort of feeling of New Zealand being a better place than most, which we probably rely on when you think about uh, global warming and all sorts of terrible things in the world, uh, holds true for that debt and that financial situation. There are places, you know, before the shit really hits the fan, it's going to hit it in some places other than New Zealand first. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Liam Dan. Matewa. <laughs>